The reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 to 24. In the Church Bibles, you can find it on page 685. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Peter. If you could have your Bibles open to Matthew chapter 6. Um, as you know, we've, we've been going through uh, this series, Life in Hong Kong, and addressing some of the idols or, or big issues um, in Hong Kong. And one of them, obviously, is money. And next week, actually, uh, we'll come to a close uh, with uh, educating our children. Um, James, actually, will be speaking um, tomorrow, uh, next week, so do come for that. But let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that you are our God, um, we, pray, we thank you that we do not worship idols, uh, that promises but cannot deliver. Um, we thank you that you are living and active God, that as we hear your word, as we are transformed by your son Christ, Lord, that our lives um, are worth living and we can invest in things that are of eternal importance. And we pray that you will open our eyes and see the truth of your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Oscar Wilde once wrote that a cynic is somebody who knows the price of everything but value of nothing. So somebody who knows the price of everything but value of nothing. Well, I think Hong Kong in many ways is a city that knows price of everything and maybe not value of many things. But Jesus says life is more than, more than food and what we eat, uh, what we wear, more than money. But actually, uh, this whole city is built on money. Capitalism is built on money. The whole edifice of this society is built on money. We know the evidence for that is that we know the price of everything. I mean, we calculate the price of everything. Actually, if you, uh, we know, I just got married seven months ago. I knew exactly what the average uh, people spend on wedding. It's, uh, in Hong Kong, it's about $300,000. When we receive gifts, we think about the price. We, there's a sort of mental calculation that go on. How much was this? How much was this? And we think uh, we're constantly calculating the value of gadgets that we want or clothes, food, cars, household, where we live, our school education. All those things have a price tag, and we're constantly thinking about them. And we think that the value 
is the price tag that's attached to these things. Of course, it's not just things. Actually, people's labor, you know, in these days, we, uh, what we do, services, the, the, the expertise have uh, uh, price tags uh, attached to, to them as well. Half an hour with the doctor or, um, you know, uh, uh, in, playing an instrument for uh, a, a lesson for an hour or whatever it is. All these have monetary values uh, attached to them. And we think about them constantly. Economists have even figured out, actually, um, how much it costs to raise children. Uh, it's one CNN um, uh, headline read, children are cute, but expensive. <laughs> the problem with knowing the price of everything, price, the problem of uh, knowing the price of everything, thinking about the price of everything, is that we then start thinking about everything in terms of their price. We think that that is their value. We make decisions based on money. Getting married or not, some, for some people that's an economic decision. Is it actually, can I, can I save money by getting married? Having children, how many children we're going to have, that's an economic decision for many people. How much we value this gift or that, even helping somebody depends on how much it will cost of course, this is a very poor way of living, poor way of valuing things around us. So don't build your life on money is really the thrust of this passage. Don't live for money. Money is a risky uh, investment, Jesus says. Do not live to get rich here on earth because that is a way of becoming poor. Verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal. You might think that you're safe from thieves, thieves, uh, because you have money stored in bank account or investment or whatever, but Bernie Madoff got off with a lot of money. We saw in recent years how actually the fluctuation in the stock market actually could rob you of much of your savings all in an instant. It's not a safe investment, Jesus says. It's not that it's not just safe. It's really not ultimate, it's not ultimate. The contrast here is between treasures on earth and treasures in heaven. And one, the difference is that one lasts forever and the other does not. One is ultimate. The other is not. You will die. Jesus might come back. This earth as we know it will pass away. A man who dies with a lot of money in the bank account is not the winner. He's a fool who did not realize the value of money, that money is an instrument, a means to an end, mean, uh, a means where we can, by which we can invest in more eternal things, things that will last forever. He's a fool. Money is not a treasure at all in the end, but a means to an end. It has no ultimate value. So, but there are things that we can invest in of things that are of inter, uh, ultimate value. This then is the secret of how, how to become rich. Store up for your, uh, your, yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. Since the earthly things will be destroyed and the heavenly things will, uh, uh, um, will last forever, investing in the heavenly thing is just a better investment. They're secure, indestructible, can endure the fluctuations of this earth, the mar- uh, earthly market will last forever. So invest in these. Jesus says, I mean, think about what you are most concerned about. What are you most concerned about? Are they earthly things or are they heavenly things? This, of course, begs the question, what are treasures in heaven? 
What are these things? The text doesn't talk about it specifically, but it does say that it'll, it'll be things that last forever. Maybe Jesus is talking about people. Invest in the salvation of those around us. People who don't yet know Christ. Buying a book, Christian book, and giving it to somebody. It costs you a little bit of money, but if that actually becomes a means for that person to come to know Christ, how invaluable is that investment? Having people over to your house, having a dinner conversation about important things in their life, in your life, hopefully that part of that is Christ. That is an eternal in, that's an eternal investment that you're making. Actually, going on holidays with non-Christians is actually a great way of investing your time and money. You know, if you spend time with people, you will talk about the things that are most important to you, right? And you're sharing the gospel with others. That's an investment worth making. It costs money. But when we stand in the judgment day and when we see friends and family who stand with us on that day because of the investments that we made, partly because of the investments that we made, we will think that this is priceless, that it wasn't worth anything. Even the Thanksgiving dinner, and we were talking about the price of it, actually, because, you know, we have a budget and all these things. It's going to be an expensive dinner. But if people come to know Jesus through them, actually, it'll be priceless. So invite your friends. Come. Um, invest in missionaries. Uh, Rachel, uh, James, and others who are working tirelessly to bring the gospel to people who don't yet know Christ. This is a priceless investment. And that's also in people's, uh, not just in people's salvation, but for them to grow. Because that, once again, uh, is something that we can take with us, uh, our character. Uh, what kind of people that we are becoming, that we will take, our experiences, our knowledge, uh, uh, the, the character, uh, we will take um, to, to, to heaven. John Stott puts it this way, the development, uh, development of Christ, Christ-like character, since all we can take with us uh, in heaven is ourselves, uh, is priceless. The increase of faith, hope, and charity, all of which Paul said abide in 1 Corinthians 13.13. 13. We will take our Christ-like character with us. And this is partly what we're doing in, in, in the church, that we live to please Christ. But in the end, we have to remind ourselves that Christ himself in the end, is the treasure. He is the treasure. Are we living for him? Are we living to please him with our life, with our money? Jesus will come back and we will see him. And uh, do we treasure this moment where, where our Lord might say to us, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few good things. Uh, a few things. I'll put you in charge over many things. Come and share your master's happiness. I guarantee that as you hear these words coming from our Lord, you will not think that all the things that you've done, all the money that you spent in pleasing Christ, it will not have been, it, it, that they will be priceless. Christ himself will be pleased with the work that we've done. Are we living to please him? But more on this moment in a moment. But Jesus reminds us that, that earth is not um, ultimate, but heaven is. The new creation with him is. But in order to live for uh, something like that, we really need to set our minds, set our vision on the right things. We often say that eyes, our eyes are windows into our soul, that it's sort of a reflection of what goes on. But Jesus sort of reverses that logic, um, this. And he says that we, what we look at, what we look at actually will shape who we are. 
what our, where our vision is, what we spend time in thinking about um, and, and daydreaming about, uh, what, what, uh, what we look at will shape who we are. If your eyes are looking at the ultimate and meaningful and good things, then you will be filled with those uh, good things. You will be filled with light. On the other hand, if you look at evil things, then you'll be filled with darkness. Once again, Rico, uh, in Christianity Explored, often says, he asks this question, what do you daydream about? When your mind's uh, not, you're not busy with work or whatever that's on your mind, what do you daydream about? What do you think about? Where does your mind automatically go? Because that's probably where your vision is, where your eyes, mind's eyes are. You know, if, you, uh, if your vision goes on to your next holiday, Facebook, uh, and, and see all the things that people have and what they're eating and where they're going, and this is what you're thinking about, uh, you will, your, life will be think about, your life will be about those things. If you're set, if your eyes are set on the next promotion or the next pay rise, bigger house, expensive cars, those things will inevitably shape how we live our life today. We will start living for these things. That's the power of vision. If we set our money, our eyes, set our eyes on money, then money will shape us. Take uh, this example um, that you might know. You might be perfectly happy with your salary right now. But as soon as you start looking at other people's salaries, you will be filled with unhappiness. And you can actually, this has been proven. Um, that happened in the U.S. Uh, in 1976. The average CEO pay was about 30 times of average workers' pay. Um, the, this number had ballooned up to 131 times um, by 1993. So, fearing the gap between the rich and the poor, the security regulators in the U.S. then made it public. They said, "We're going to publish um, all the pays and perks of top executives in the U.S." The idea was to shame the CEOs uh, with this exorbitant pay uh, so that they would take less money. But actually, when they published all the data, the opposite of intended, uh, what intended happened. The salaries of top executives were published, and CEOs started looking at other people's salaries. They focused not on what they had already, but then what others had. And they started comparing. And when, when you compare, actually, you usually compare up, never down. And what ended up, ended up happening was by year 2000, the average CEO made, made, not, made about 300 times more than the average worker in the company. If money is what we are focused on, focusing on, that will shape our life. It will fill us with discontentment. It will fill us with things that are not godly, not our things of the uh, heaven, but earthly things. It's no surprise that the Bible says that the love of money is all uh, root of all kinds of evil. When we set our eyes on dreams of money, it will blind us. It will fill us with discontentment. When we have, uh, when we actually already have all the money that we need, we will still want more. So don't fill your eyes with un healthy things, materialistic desires. So ask the question, what do you need to avoid looking at? What do you need to consciously avoid thinking about in your life? Maybe it's time that you get off on Facebook. Stop thinking about so much on the next holidays and things. The fact is, 
um, that when our minds are filled with heavenly vision, it matters little how much money we have. It matters less how much our friends are making. When the next promotion is, it matters not so much because Christ fills our vision. We live for something that are completely different. We live to please him. Our priorities shift. Our life changes as a result. Our ethics, what we do, what we live for, all change. If Christ is what our eyes are set on, do you treasure Christ in all things that you do in your life? Is that what you treasure most in your life? John Calvin wrote this in the Institutes. If we seek salvation, we're called by the very name of the uh, name of Jesus that is of him. If we seek of any other gifts of the Spirit, they will be found in his anointing. If we seek strength, it lies in his dominion. If purity in his conception, if gentleness appears in his birth, if we seek redemption, it lies in his passion. If acquittal in his condemnation, if remission of curse in his cross, if satisfaction in his sacrifice, if purification in his blood, if reconciliation in his descent into hell, if mortification of the flesh in his tomb, if newness of life in his resurrection, if immortality in the same, if inheritance of the heavenly kingdom, in his entrance into heaven, if protection, if security, if abundant supply of all, all blessings in his kingdom, if untroubled expectation of judgment, in the power given to him to judge. In short, since rich store of every kind of good abound in him, abounds in him, let us drink our fill from this fountain and from no other. This list has everything that you want in life. But is that who we treasure? Is that what we treasure? Is Christ uh, what we treasure in our life? There's no other fountain uh, of goodness other than Christ. We must fill our vision and mind with Christ. We must treasure Christ. And this is why we do what we do. This is why you do your quiet times. Not so that... um, Not just just so that you uh, get to face your day... Um, with renewed strength or uh, to seek solutions to your problems. You do quiet time in the morning to fill your mind with Christ, who Christ is. We uh, do church together. We meet together to fill our minds with the goodness and the greatness of Christ. We sing to, uh, together. We to sing to each other to fill our mind, minds with Christ. We do these things to, we, uh, to fill our minds with Christ. We have our conversation with uh, uh, trusted Christian friends throughout the week because we want to fill our minds with Christ. We want to correct our vision on Christ. We want to set our mind on Christ so we can live for him. We, the, all the things that are important to the world is not important to us anymore because we live for Christ and our vision is filled with Christ. And then we'll have different priorities, different um, Instead of um, uh, uh, yeah, seeking the things of the world, we'll seek to please him. This is a Proverbs uh, writer writing about money in Proverbs chapter 30, uh, 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal, and so dishonor the name of my God. You see, what are you saying? Give me neither poverty nor richness. The way that he thinks about money is different now. 
He doesn't want poverty nor richness, um, uh, not because of, uh, of poverty or richness for their sake, but because he wants to honor God. He doesn't want to dishonor God uh, by being tempted um, when the, he doesn't have a lot of money. He doesn't want to, uh, uh, he doesn't think, he, he doesn't want uh, God to seem super, superfluous uh, to him but when he has too much money. So he says, look, I want to honor you. Give me just enough money that I could continue to honor you. The priorities become different when our minds are filled with Christ and when our minds are filled with God. So is Christ the light to which that you look in your life? Or are you, is your vision filled with something else? But if we're honest, I think we don't like doing this. We don't like doing this. Uh, because it means making tough choices in our life. This whole section has been about making tough choices. It gives you only two choices and no other, and they're stark choices. Look at verses 20, uh, 19 to 21. Treasures on earth versus treasures in heaven. Nothing in between. Verses 22 and 23. Darkness and light. There's no gray area. Jesus brings the point home in, in the last section in verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't sit on the, on the fence. You have to choose, he says. You know, the world says, diversify your investment. Put it, you know, don't put all your eggs in one basket. It's too risky. So I think that sort of carries on, I think, in our Christian mindset, too. We want to invest on heavenly things, but we also want to invest in earthly things as well. But Jesus tells us that we can't have it both ways. We cannot serve two masters at once. The word serve here implies not a, a, a work of an employee, but work of a slave. You cannot serve two masters at once. One might be able to. A slave is a property of one master. And the owner demands ex- exclusive allegiance from the slave. And if you think about what money is, money also has mastering tendencies. It wants to master us. Don't fool yourself thinking that you are mostly just using money. Often money uses us and make, it, make us its slave. Think about how much time we've sacrificed. Um, times when you've sacrificed your integrity for money. Money. You know, I sold books door to door for uh, a couple of summers in my um, university life, and I've definitely I've, there were times when I've sacrificed my principles, my integrity for money. Think, think about the sacrifices that we make for money: our health, our time with family. For money, money has a way of binding us and and drawing us. It draws us with uh, uh, its promises. It promises, uh, it makes us uh, uh, dream, uh, dreams that are not godly. Slowly, mammon defines our ethics, define, colors our relationship, and rules our time. It promises happiness, but those who just seek it don't even have time to be happy. Those who have a lot of it quickly realize that money cannot buy happiness. We, what we must see is that... Um, that the God, uh, mammon demands, it has mastering tendencies. It demands uh, to be our master. But at the same time, 
we also have to see that God's demand over us is even bigger. God's demand over you is absolute. This in part is because he has made you. He knows that if you serve anything else, if you serve other than Christ, if your mind is filled with other, anything other than Christ, it's actually unhealthy for you. So God demands absolute allegiance because he loves us. No one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And hate and love, devote and despise, these are choices that are given to us, and there are no lukewarm middle. We must choose whom we serve. And these are very clear words, strong words. And so I wonder if you feel that sense of um, strength of these words in your life, and if you do live, if you love Christ, and if you, if you serve him only, um, if you are devoted to, uh, to him only, is it evident to the people who are closest to you that you are devoted to him? Because it should be. When you go to work, I know that work is a place where you make money, but does your, do your colleagues know that you don't work, you are not there just for money? That you serve Christ, that you serve God, that things are, are uh, that, 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 that you have a different value, that you serve a, di- a different God. Is that obvious to everybody? Hate, love, despise, uh, uh, devoted. These are the words, these are the choices that are given to us. Perhaps uh, one way to check is just once again, uh, check our bank accounts to, to see where our money is going, for where your treasure is. There your, your heart will be also. Yeah, if if, uh, um, if a stranger came and actually looked at your bank account, will that stranger get the sense that you love God, that you love Christ? Will it be evident by how you spend your money that you love God, that you are devoted to him, that you serve him only? Where does your money go? And if, you, if, money, if your money isn't going to eternal things, make changes in your life. Because once you start putting money in the, into, into eternal things, uh, Jesus says, then you will be shaped by that too. Where your treasure is, where your heart will be also. Your heart will follow the money. Our heart's greedy. So we need to make conscious choices, um, and our heart will follow where our money goes. So put it into practice. Another question we might ask ourselves is, how much of our money is our money and how much of it is God's? Maybe you think 10% is God's. Maybe 20% is God's. And this is how we often think of our money as well. We think that as we tithe to God, then that money is God's and the rest of it is my money. Well, that's an indication that once again that we are serving two masters. If Christ owns us, if who we serve is Christ, then 100% of our money is Christ's. And that should be our attitude towards money. This doesn't mean that we sell everything and we become poor and we don't have any money. Uh, but it does mean that as God's stewards, we need to be, exp- be able to explain to Christ how 100% of our money, uh, 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 where our 100%, 100% of our money goes. Would Christ be okay if you saved for uh, your retirement or for some, uh, say, uh, rainy days? Uh, to occasionally enjoy good things, to provide uh, for your children? I think the, question, uh, the answer is absolutely yes. Christ would be perfectly okay with that. But in our day and age, um, where does the rest of that money go? 
We often view 10% as our standard. Well, for most people in history, 10% was a stretch. Um, uh, when you gave 10%, it was sacrificial giving. It was hard uh, for most people. But we live in a time of unprecedented wealth in one of the most wealthy cities in the world. While we give 10%, actually, for many people, it will not make a dent in, in, in our lifestyle. You know, it doesn't make that much of a difference when I give 10%. Is 10% our st- standard? It shouldn't be as a Christian. As followers of Jesus, cross is our standard. 100% is our standard. If that's true, if we serve him, where, where does our money go? Where does it end up? I think one challenge uh, to all of you is to go home and take a look at your bank statements and then plan your giving. And I hope your mindset is not, how much can I keep? How much could I just save for the future? Or how much could I hoard? But your mindset is, how much can I give? How can I be more generous with my giving? I hope that is the mindset because that's what it means to follow Christ. Jesus didn't go, how much could I save for myself? The mark of uh, uh, Christianity is generosity and grace. And I hope that is the mark of your bank statement. So then how, um, how we get rich is not ultimately about accumulating things, getting the next pay rise or um, next promotion. It's about for what and for whom we live, store up treasures in heaven. Live for Christ. Practice generosity. Use whatever earthly wealth that we have, wealth that we, don't, that we can't keep for long in the service of Christ. The mark of the world is hoarding. The mark of Christ's kingdom is the exact opposite. It's generosity. It's giving. And that's only possible if you set your mind on Christ. If, you're, if your vision is set on Christ. But at, set your mind on Christ, set your vision on Christ, and, and choose him. Choose that way of life. Because the choice is given to us. We cannot serve both. Let's pray. Lord, we pray because our hearts are fallen and our hearts have so many idols in our life. Lord, help us to seek you. Help, help, help our heart to be filled with the vision of Christ. Help us to, be, to gravitate towards kingdom living and not this earthly living. Lord, we don't want our lives to be wasted. We want to please you. We want to invest in heavenly things. Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with the vision of Christ, that we may live a generous life. And as all of our life is yours, make all of our money yours as well. We give them to you. And we pray that you will use them for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.